again, looking at verse 35, looking at this familiar story about Jesus calming the storm. I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. Those who are able, if you don't mind, you can stand in the honoring of reading of God's word. As you are turning there, you can stay right there because we'll be right there. I'm going to stay right there. New Living Translation of the Gospel according to Mark, fourth chapter, reading verse 35 to verse 41, says, As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, Let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up, shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped, and there was a great calm. Then he asked them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other. Even the wind and waves obey him. Praise God for his word. You may be seated as you take your seat. He help me announce this to your neighbor. Tell him no warning. Look to your other neighbor to the left, to the right, or whoever side you didn't tell him. Tell him again. No warning. Warning is defined as the act of warning the state of being warned. He had warning of his illness or something that warns or to warns one to severe uh, or especially a notice or a bulletin of alerts of a public of imminent hazard. Warnings are given to tell someone that there might be danger or their life may be in peril or something may be hazardous or harmful to their life. Not only was a warning not given to the disciples, neither was an alert given. No signal or alarm of danger was coming. He simply tells the 12, let's cross to the other side of the lake. If you look closely in that whole sentence that Jesus speaks to them, those who have the red letter word, you look, there's only a few sentences in there highlighted in red. And the first one, he says, let's cross to the other side of the lake. Or somebody said, let us go to the other side. I want to point out that he did not send them by themselves. He said, let us go to the other side. In this text, we need to find out that Jesus is teaching the disciples. Not only is he teaching the disciples, but there happened to be a crowd that surrounded him. And the crowd became so large that he had to use the boat to become his pulpit. And so we find him on this boat teaching to the masses. It says evening has come and they says, let us go to the other side. So they took Jesus as he was in the boat to go to the other side. But what we find here in this text that the disciples have received instructions from the Lord and that, that they are going to the other side. But troubles were about to come. Anybody here can testify that you begin a journey not knowing? What you're going to settle, to, what's going to be uh, set before you, what you might face. 
Jesus tells them they are to go. He does not warn them. He does not tell them that there is danger ahead of them or, or that their life will be in danger. No, he simply says, let us go to the other side. And Jesus saying, let us go. He says to them, I'm going with you to the other side. I will be with you in this journey and your life is not in danger. I am not leaving you. We have left the crowd, but I am still with you whom I have chosen. That good news that when Jesus speaks, let us do something. He's letting you know that he's not leaving you. He's not forsaking you. He's going to be with you. So no matter what you're going to go through, you're not by yourself to know that I am with you. Anybody here can testify that you was able to make it through this year knowing that you weren't by yourself, but Jesus was with you. He was walking with you. He was talking with you. He was right there with you when nobody else could be by your side. He was right there knowing that everything's going to be all right long as I've got King Jesus. So I'm here to tell you today that when God sends you, he will not leave you. <laughs> he makes this clear from Exodus until now. He never left them without comfort. He shared with Joshua, be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. He also uh, told Joshua that just as I was with Moses, I will be with you. So now knowing this truth that our God will never send us and leave us, then we can look at this text and see how this journey that they went through can be similar to our journey in life. This journey begins simple enough with nothing out of the ordinary happening. <laughs> but suddenly a great storm of wind comes and the waves beat against the ship that resulted the ship beginning to be filling up with water. This ship is now overwhelmed and is not stable. The conditions have become uncomfortable. The condition has become terrified upon them that they fear their life. This could not be how they expected the journey to go when Jesus says, let us go to the other side. This boat that was, was smooth sailing has now become a rocky boat. Can I highlight to us that how this boat might be similar to our own life situations? I bet many of you can agree with me that you would like to have signs when you get on traveling on, on boats or in, in airplanes. You like to have some signs of how things are going to go. Matter of fact, many of us who are like driving like to have signs when you're in a hurry. Or you haven't never been in a hurry before. And they came up that says detour ahead. And you look to yourself and say, well, I know a quicker route than that detour, so I'm going another direction because you appreciate somebody giving you the sign. So when weather is bad, the warning, the street is closed, or under construction signs, or restricted, uh, or restricted places to enter, or slow down because of an uneven road. These signs serve as warning of what is ahead and what is to be expected. So when we get into the traffic, or we get into this uneven road, we get into these situations that are uncomfortable, or bumpy, or long in wait, we're able to handle them because we had signs. But when we don't have signs, when we don't have warnings, or we become frustrated. <laughs> we become perplexed and tried and, and wondering how can we get through this. I can imagine the, 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 the non-experienced boatmen uh, of the disciples were probably looking at the experienced fishermen, figuring out <laughs> what do we do now? <laughs> y'all been through this before. Y'all been on the sea before. Y'all know how fickle this wind, these storms are. <laughs> what should we do? Those disciples probably look back at them and says, I don't know what to do, so we're going to go to that man sleeping on that cushion that told us to get in this boat to come on to the other side because we had our wits in. The water's filling up. We about to go under. What should we do? 
So in their time of their boat, in the time of life surrounding them, in the time of things coming up on them, they became the doubt where they make it. In our life, have we not been there before that when things are not working out, we start doubting, will it come through? They gave me a detour, but I'm not sure it's taking me in the right direction. <laughs> they, they, they said slow down because of traffic, but I don't think I'm going to make it to my appointment in time. We, things start coming into our minds because we thought we had an expectation of getting somewhere and doing something at a certain point in a certain time in a certain way. But as soon as interruptions come into our lives that take us off the original plan, we start wondering, will it? ever truly work out. We see the disciples reveal their doubt. For when they come to Christ, look what they say to him. Do you care? They look at their teacher and say, teacher, do you care? Do you not see? What we're going through while you were sleeping, resting, I, I know you had a long day of preaching and teaching the folks and, and doing all those great parables and telling those great stories. I know you did all that, but we're here now perishing, thinking that we're going to lose our lives, thinking that we're going to drown, thinking that this boat is going to go under, and you're back there sleeping. Teacher, teacher, wake up. Do you not care? We too can look in our lives, and we have... Might know some people, if it's not been us ourselves, there have been times I thought about God, do you really care? How much trouble has come upon us? How much pain has come upon my family? How much issues coming on God? Do you really care? I, I heard someone say to me, you probably heard someone say the same thing too, that after this, that sadness that happened in Newtown, Connecticut, like, does, does God truly care? We allow hardships in our lives become so big and so large that they overwhelm us and they become too big for us to handle and too big for us to burden. That when it weighs us down and crushes us, we start looking at something bigger and greater than us. But since we're in such pain and such peril, we start wondering, does he really care? And they ask Jesus. They look at Jesus. The one who's teaching them and directing them. And look what he does. In Mark's gospel, he does not rebuke the disciples first. He speaks to their problem first. What I like about this is that look how Jesus responds to them. Jesus deals with what is troubling his disciples. Look what he does. He removes all distractions, harm, and danger. So now they can focus on clearly what he is saying to them. He made what was troubling them to cease. And, and, and at what point it seemed to overwhelm them and threaten their lives became nothing. The word says that it became a perfectly calm sea. It went from being a raging, boistering storm to a perfectly calm sea. Reminds me of that song about what Jesus can do, that song, Jesus is mine. He can soothe my doubts and calm all my fears. And we like that echo saying, Jesus is mine. Yes, he is mine. And so Jesus was theirs. And since he was theirs, he was able to soothe their doubts. <laughs> they doubted their lives. They doubted where they make it. He's able to soothe their doubts and calm all. They feared for their lives. He did all that with simple words saying, silence, 
and be still. Some translation says, hush, be still. But he spoke two imperative commands to the sea and to the wind. Think about it, how a parent tells a child, sit down and be quiet. You didn't just want them to sit down, you want them to be quiet. He was clear when he spoke. He says, be still and be quiet. I, 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 my disciples are scared. They're, 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 they're at their wits end. I need to help them out, and I know how to help them out. I can use my word. You see how his word was able to change the circumstances. <laughs> his word was able to bring peace in the midst of troubles and turmoil. Can you help me out? Tell your neighbor, it's his word that can help you out. <laughs> can I help somebody out? Give another one. The doctor might have a word for you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The judge might have a word for you. Mm-hmm. The lawyer might have a word for you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The newsman, the news person, the newspaper might have a word for you. Mm-hmm. But those words shall change. But when God speaks his word, it does not change. It does not lose power, but it just shows up and shows up, shows out what it can do. And when his word went forth, the winds and the sea obey his command. And so when his word came forth, after he rebuked the wind, after he spoke to us troubling them, and, and everybody understand that how Jesus knows how to get to us. In order for him to get to us, he has to remove the stuff that's keeping us away from him. And the stuff that was keeping them away from seeing who he was, was their fear. Let me help somebody out. The Bible makes it clear that the cowardly will not inherit the kingdom of God. This same word is translated when they were afraid, the coward. We, we know that, we, we, we quote another scripture that, that encourages that God has not given us the spirit of fear. So when we have lack of faith, lack of cowardice, lack of belief, lack of confidence, it brings us to a point of not believing and trusting that God is able to do what only he can do. And so when they have this doubt, Jesus has to come to them and says, ask them, why were you afraid? Do you still have no faith? He's pointing out to them that I did not tell you that we're going to the other side. Didn't I not tell you that we were going to the other side? They were scared. They were unaware of the power that was before him. Look how if you follow and read through Mark's gospel, he's developing the character and the conduct of Jesus, the son of man, so that we can see that he was fully God and fully man. And they realized that this is more than just a man that, who is this man, they said? That the wind and the sea obey his command. Why is that? Because by his, his voice, his word, it holds together. Y'all know that, right? In the beginning, you know, God created heaven by his word. And the gospel of John says, and by his word, it, it, it holds all things together. Nothing was created without him that was created. And so, therefore, creation has to respond to the creator. So 
No matter the problems you face throughout this year, you have to understand and remind yourself that this is part of creation and you have to respond to the creator so you can go back to the creator and say, Lord, take care of your creation. And he sure enough can because he sure enough can speak to it. If he could not speak to the winds and to the seas and they obey his camera, can he not speak to whatever's prob- what problems or troubles you're facing? And look at this whole situation. They were in fear and scared not realizing that Jesus was always there. May we learn from the disciples' mistake to know that our Lord does not does care for us and his children. It is not our circumstances that keep God from us, but it is our sins that keep us from God. We must learn to apply the 27 number of Psalm, that first verse, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life, or the strength of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? With this faith and with this trust in the Lord, we can face all that comes our way with no warning, knowing that it cannot hurt us. No warnings are needed because if God is for us, who can be against us? When Christ, when, when, when we are in Christ and our life is never in danger, you know why? Because those who are in Christ, though they may die yet, they shall live because he's the life and the resurrection. You understand the enemy came to kill, steal, and destroy. But yet when you have your life in Jesus, you don't have to worry. Your life is never in danger. <laughs> and we know that God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Do you understand how Jesus knew they were about to go through the storm, but it was for their good? How many of us, if Jesus told us that your life in 2012 was about to go through some storms, but it would not harm you, would you be willing to face it? Many of us take a lot of stuff for granted when we know that it's not going to hurt us. But when you don't know, when you realize it's, it's outside of your control, you start looking for somebody to help you out. And, and Jesus had to share with them that I want you to go through this storm because I will always be with you in this boat. Let me help somebody out. The disciples were used to having Jesus with them and Jesus trying to share them with them that when you're about to do your greater work, it's going to be with me, not there. Because the greater work that they were going to do, he had to go somewhere else. He says, I must leave you so when I leave you, I can send you the comforter. And through the comforter, you'll be able to do great and mighty works. He lets them know, I won't leave you comfortless. And so we can see in our same life, in our same situation, that our Lord will never leave us comfortless. He is strengthening us and and letting us know that it's time for us to learn how to trust him in the midst of the storm. And you notice that he was asleep during the storm. They had to wake him up. They had to wake him up. I heard someone say it this way, that during class time is when you can ask all the questions. This one student had questions but did, but during test time but had no questions during class time. We talk all the time during class time, but it came time for the test. Raise their hand. The teacher says, nope. Finish your test. Kept on raising their hands and said, nope, finish your test. 
And so now the time is done with the test. The student is done with the test. The student comes up to the teacher saying, the teacher, that I, I had some question I want to ask for the test. He said, now wasn't the time for the question. So when I was teaching, you kept on talking. We're not paying attention. <laughs> now that test time has come, you have questions. But now it's time for you to answer. Can I help somebody out that Jesus is teaching us right now, but when the test comes, It's up to you to have the answers because he's given us the lesson now. But test time comes for you to pass with what he has given us. Hello, somebody. We need to open up our ears and realize that he's teaching us and preparing us so that when we get through the storm, we know what to do. I'll give you another illustration about how. How we are being brought through storms and times through the storms. It seems like we're by ourselves. It seems like we don't have the answer. But God has given us everything that we need to do to, in, in order to pass these tests. There's a story about how the eagle teaches their babies how to fly. The eagle grabbed their, their baby eagles and they will fly high up in the sky. And they will drop that baby eagle. And that baby eagle is turtling and tailing down towards the ground. And then that eagle will swoop on down, spread out, and let the fall on its back. And it keeps on doing that until it finally learns how to fly. But the problem is that that baby eagle is not understanding why am I being dropped. <laughs> why am I getting closer and closer to this ground? Why am I, my wings are not, why did my mom drop me? Not knowing that this was all part of the lesson. That one day you're going to learn how to fly. But look here, look here. Mama Eagle sees you. Mama knows where you are and catches. Mama's able to spread her wings and lift you up and carry you back home until you're ready to fly on your own. But guess what? You ain't going to be in this nest all this time. God is maturing us and growing us so that when time comes that we'll know how to stand up in the face of our storms, stand up in the face of our troubles, stand up in the face of our trials, and know that my God has never left me nor forsake me. He's a present help in the time of trouble. That no matter what has come against me, it can't be made. That's why I like what Paul says in Romans 8 chapter says, what then shall we say these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us. How will he not also with him freely give us all things who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies, who is the one who condemns. Christ Jesus is he who died, yet, yes, rather, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us, who will separate us from the love of Christ. Will tribulation or diseases or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword just as is written for your sake we are being put to death all day long we are considered as sheep to be slaughtered but in all things we we are overwhelmingly conquered through whom who loved us for I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor prayer nor things present nor things that come no powers nor height nor depth nor any other created thing will able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord isn't that good news that what can separate us so no matter what we face this year no matter what we're going to face next year as long as we have Jesus 
I don't need no a warning. Because <laughs> our life is never in danger. <laughs> because we are safe in his arms. We are safe in his love. And we are safe in his body. So there's nothing to fear. There's nothing to be scared of. We don't have to be afraid like the disciples no longer. But we can look into the one who speaks. And they obey his command. And how much more will we obey his command? Every head bowed, every eyes closed. Lord, we